Who is Desiree Shaw? A qualified, registered practicing psychotherapist with over a decade of expertise as a psychotherapist, counselor, and CBT therapist. An expert in men's mental health and relationships. On a mission to make therapy accessible and change the world. One thought at a time. This is the Desiree Shaw Podcast. Hello, my name is Desiree Shaw. I'm a psychotherapist and I vlog and I podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Microaggression, culture clash. Well, I hope it makes sense as I continue. So um, I've been exploring microaggressions and um, how they affect our mental health and actually identifying and under fully understanding what a microaggression is. And one of the things I have come to terms with is that it's not fully defined a microaggression. However, what it is, what it equates to, which is really beautifully done in this book, which I have been reading, called Subtle Acts of Exclusion, that is what microaggression is. It's a subtle act of exclusion, whether intentional or or, you know, intentional or unintentional. And often it's based on marginalising people. So people who are not in the majority at that time. Yeah. Very common in racial discrimination practices amongst bosses and employees. Very, very, very common. Very common throughout the world. But also very much something that we could all probably identify with when we've had a moment of being marginally discriminated against, particularly if we are not the majority in the room or in the present moment, you know. And it's one of the most uncomfortable, disempowering, um, (laughs) soul-triggering, low self-esteem experiences that you could ever have because when somebody microaggresses on you you are in a position to ruminate on what happened and and when I say ruminate on what happened what I mean is this so when a microaggression takes place be it an intentional unintentional one where somebody can make a comment and they may say something like um You're quite clever, aren't you? (laughs) And you might be thinking, right, is that because I'm the only, I'm the only person of this minority in the room, you know? Okay, why would you say that like that? Um, Or they decide, I remember once in a professional setting, um, this bit of microaggression was really harsh to take when um, I was told by another professional, I'm going to hand a client to you because I think they do better with you because you're black. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, you didn't just say that. You know, that really kind of ripped my soul out a bit. Um, and, and also the microaggression that we have amongst 
different, you know, our own cultural diversity within our own communities, we can be aggressive to each other. And I've had I've had a lot of stuff happen in the um, world of um, going to work, (laughs) as we all have. And it's very disempowering. It's very uncomfortable. And what it leads you to do is go away and think about it and ruminate about it and be conscious about it and focus on it. And before you know it, you'll feel excluded. You'll feel almost expelled, but subtly excluded. Like this exclusion has not actually been discussed Nobody's actually said it, but you definitely do not feel like you are a part of it now. It's a very, very uncomfortable situation. And it doesn't build anybody. It it actually puts a wall between, you know, it just put, it builds up this high wall of I'm we're never going to get over it. And that's what happens when somebody's micro microaggressed against you. You end up building a wall because you can't help it in a way, because you don't have any way of empowering yourself through that microaggression. So you end up building this wall of, I can't get over it, and nobody else is going to get over it. And then the other person who has actually microaggressed against you can't get over it, because they don't want to face the shame of what they actually did. And if you had the microaggression done to you, you don't know how to, that wall, that invisible wall of protection, it just, it goes up. It goes up in in nanoseconds. So you have no idea how you are going to manage or cope with what has happened. So you try your best to just get through the situation and just get through the day. And one one thing I've noticed is um, when this happens, you can't be your full true self. And this is this is this is the real downside of having you know experiencing microaggression. You cannot be your full true self. You can't be who you are because you're so busy fearing the possible next microaggression or trying to prepare for the next microaggression or or disputing within yourself how you're gonna deal with it or not sure if what the other person says who microaggressed on you has done it multiple times because you can get stuck in a loop and it's really 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 dangerous one thing I came to recognize and see firsthand was the culture clash and the differences in the microaggressions between the Brits and the USA and I say that because I've been spending some time but definitely not all my time on that social app called Clubhouse, which I which I found to be quite quite enlightening at, at one point. It was a way it's a way of being able to interact through audio, but like having a podcast, but having actually real time conversation and discussion, which I really enjoyed. However, I think the honeymoon period is over <laughs> and somebody graciously said so in the clubhouse um, room that I had yesterday. There's this wonderful lady called Dr. Renee. I think the honeymoon period is actually over because it started and everybody was a bit like, wow, yes, 
Clubhouse is brilliant. Host your rooms, build your followers, do this, do that, do that. I'm not really into building followers. I really do enjoy having conversations and learning and what have you. And after a while, it's actually become a place where you get to see a lot of people um, self-promoting or um, ag- aggressively self-promoting or, or pretending not to be aggressive, but actually self-promoting and aggressing and microly aggressing on others. And you've got this thing where you've got the moderators and people who are in control. And I've noticed a lot of microaggression, a lot of microaggression. And I, I, I saw it happening in a few rooms and, you know, I, I would leave because the moderator would microaggress on the audience or overbear with their voice or their tone. And really, you know, particularly if they were aware of their voice. And one of the things I came to recognise and understand is as Brits, we speak quite plainly and we do kind of get to the point quite quickly. There's there We don't do much fuffle unless you are a politician, but we don't do too much fuffle. When you listen to the speaking patterns of somebody from the USA, there is a lot more extra words noise in the conversation so you could be waiting for somebody to say something but there will be so much other stuff that they're saying and their voice can be very overbearing in a way because the American accent takes you know it can take time to say a word it can you know some things are elongated some things are really emphasized we don't do that so much in Britain and I could see that this was definitely um, some parts of that can appear to me, being a British person, speaking with another British person, that this person is microly aggressing on me (laughs) based on their tone, what they're saying, and the fact that they're sucking up all the oxygen in the room. (laughs) And that that happens. And um, it can be quite astounding sometimes because you are in a conversation and the other person's in a conversation, and whereas they're flowing and and riding with it, and not recognizing actually what they're really doing and how they've actually excluded you. And this was something I noticed over the weekend, and it was quite something because I actually was in a position I hadn't been in for a very long time, where I was actually uncomfortable, and. I don't normally reside in discomfort, not for a long time, actually, but I welcomed the discomfort to recognise what was actually happening and how I was interpreting the situation. And being in that position where I was thinking, I think I'm being microly aggressed upon right now, what happened to me was I shut down and I noticed my fight, flight, freeze kick in because I shut down, I, I... it was it wasn't so much an act of freezing as if i didn't know what to do it actually was my fight back and i recognized it i thought ah so this is like where i'm i'm interpreting my own fight flight freeze in that particular moment where i shut down in an act of protection it's almost like slowing myself all the way down almost freezing but actually i'm actually waiting to to deal with the situation in 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 my way but then when I got to the point of, okay, this is like the fight mode. What am I going to do next? 
I found myself resorting to wanting to flight. I wanted to just get out. I didn't want to do it anymore. I wanted to leave. I didn't want to speak to these people ever again. I wanted to just walk away. And the reason I wanted to do that was because I felt so disempowered, so misunderstood, so not heard, and so marginalised and alienated. It was a very lonely place. And I'm not sure if people recognise that this can even happen in a conversation sometimes, you know. Because being in that particular moment, I definitely went into self-regulating and supporting myself and recognising what the emotion was that I was actually feeling and being able to decipher my cognitions and accept that I was experiencing a negative situation. And it's not... I'm not supposed to just have positive situations in my life, you know, we're, we're human. I appreciate that negative things do happen, you know. <laughs> I can't just expect, no, it's got to be nice all the time. So I, I can welcome the experience. But welcoming the experience and sitting in the experience, you know, that was something. Actually saying, okay, come on, discomfort, I, I'm going to deal with you. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to continue with all of the, you know, the faculties that I have within me to manage myself in this, in this moment. But I have recognised I am super, super, super uncomfortable. At that point, I, I was able to recognise and understand and identify with um, a few of the, the clients I see. And I do have a few Americans on my books, actually quite a few. And they often talk about being uncomfortable in the corporate world, London, and working there and noticing the culture clash. And there are times when I'm explaining some things to them because they've gone in to work with this hyperactive, yeah, let's go kind of focus. And us Brits aren't really built that way. We don't really like to do things that way. And the way that they feel alienated. And then there I am in a room filled with mainly people from America, mainly, mainly. And maybe there was like about one or two Brits at one stage. I think maybe one actually. In fact, I don't think there was. I think there might have been one towards the end of one of the rooms. But um, actually being that person there who sounds like me, who understands and interprets like me. Meanwhile, everybody else is doing this other thing, which I noticed that they're all kind of doing together, which was very much segregating, you know. And this is where I got to see how microaggression is so difficult to define, you know, in, 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 in every single case. There are some cases of microaggression where it's very clear cut. And when it comes to sexual discrimination, racial discrimination, gender discrimination, you can be very clear about it. But then there's other parts and there's other parts of it where we amongst ourselves, women can do it to women. Cultures amongst cultures do it. to, And they do. I work with a lot of Asian and Muslim, um, uh, you know, young people who experience their own marginalised microaggression amongst their peers, amongst their elders. And, and I do as well within my own culture, being from a West Indian Jamaican family. There is a lot of that that happens. And it, and it does. It, it does. It happens everywhere. 
And it can be passive aggressive. It can actually be unintentional. It's not necessarily innocent, though, because we do actually hurt people. And um, I was sitting in this room and I was thinking, I don't ever want to do this ever again. (laughs) I don't want to feel this disempowered. I don't want to feel this pushed aside. I don't want to purposely walk into a situation where I know that these people directly do not understand me. And they have no way of trying to understand me because collectively they're all understanding each other. They're all the same. And I'm different. And at that point, you know, you, you when you get to that kind of realisation, how different you are in a, in a group of people that are all the same and you are not, you kind of take on this feeling of, all these people, you know, from, for me anyway, have, listening to it in a, on a daily basis with clients who suffer um, at the hands of people who hurt them regularly, um, but on their own, on microaggression in the workplace, and they don't know how to discuss it or deal with it. At that point, I actually, it intensified for me. And I recognised how your anxiety, you don't know what's going to happen next. I do have a a very healthy handle on myself, so I didn't let the anxiety run. But I was very aware that the situation was awkward for me and it was negative. And actually experiencing microaggression with an understanding of what it is was very interesting. It was very different to what where I have experienced it in the past and I didn't understand it. And when you don't understand microaggression and you don't recognise what's actually been happening, what tends to happen is, and this is really, really, really uncomfortable, what tends to happen is you go into yourself, you become insular, you can become quite angry, and you could even develop your own passive-aggressive ways of dealing with it, or aggressive ways of dealing with it, or planning, or ruminating, or discussing, or going away and talking about it. And actually, I am really thankful that I do understand it, that I don't have to perform those acts, but it still doesn't take away the discomfort and the and the hurt that actually took place. The disappointment, I would say, that actually took place when I was actually experiencing this in Clubhouse. In actually both occasions, both rooms, you know, one was quite overwhelming where I was given this idea from this person who bamboozled me basically and I felt bamboozled by what had taken place and as I was in that room I thought why did I agree to this knowing full well this is another thing I actually agreed to this and I didn't need to and now I don't like what's happening however the polite person inside of me wouldn't just leave the room even though I was saying to myself I could just leave this room I could leave this room but I don't think they understand what they've done. So if I leave this room, it's a very passive aggressive thing to do. And it will give an interpretation of me, which is something else, even though I don't know what they're thinking about me anyway, but leaving this room would just walking out isn't healthy for me to do anyway. So I grinned and bared it. (laughs) Just had to pull a lot out to do that you know and to really pull a lot out then the second time it happened it was very much like a surprise didn't see it happen but it happened in a different way um and it was very subtle 
The first time wasn't as subtle, but the second time for the weekend was very subtle. And then um, what puts you in a, in a place of feeling even more alienated is when you're actually in a conversation, you're in a room and somebody is purposely um, misinterpreting what you're saying. In fact, saying things that you actually haven't said. And then somebody else tries to smooth it over because they're aware that you haven't said this, but they don't want the other person to leave the conversation. So they pacify the other person. But meanwhile, they're pacifying the other person. What they haven't done, realised, is they've alienated you. (laughs) Because there's this undercurrent bit of, yeah, not really supporting you right now. And then you start to think, what just happened? Okay, what's the difference here? What's the difference between me and you? What's the difference? Why is this actually happening? And um, it dawned on me in that moment, you know, to to identify microaggression is very difficult. But also, microaggression amongst different cultures, I think this is something that we're going to have issues with for a very long time. Because there's a difference between how we are as Brits and how the how Americans, USA Americans are. There is a difference. And in a conversation, it can get very, very tricky. And unless you are willing to be aware of yourself, aware of your tone, aware of your banter. See, banter and jokes and all of that are not exactly the same amongst all cultures. They're just not. And self-awareness will help you get to a place where you'll recognise that treating everybody equally is actually discrimination. So to walk into a situation and believe because this is what you do, where you do it, how you do it, doesn't mean that it's okay for you to treat everybody else like that. You're actually discriminating because we are actually all individuals. And that can be very microaggressive. When I'm going to treat, I'm, I'm going to joke with you like this because that's what I'm used to doing. I'm going to talk to you like this because that's what I'm used to doing. I'm going to do this because this is what I'm used to doing. This is when it becomes actually, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. So to to recognise this, I mean, as as people, we, we really need to be self-aware about ourselves. And then actually become so extend that outwards because the whole purpose of us as humans is to actually connect with each other interact build and grow forward when we start to segregate and we start to alienate people there is no development and there is no growth there there is no understanding there is no there is no way of you being able to say okay this is what's going on microaggression is a real thing and everybody experiences it uniquely to themselves because we are only human you know we're only human we do make mistakes and we most definitely have feelings that's that's the thing that makes us you know you you never hear about the depressed lion (laughs) walking through the jungle i'm quite depressed right now i'm gonna need some sertraline no you just don't you don't this is what separates us Okay, we're human and we have our own unique experiences. But it's really important to recognise how you can taint 
somebody else's experience, intentionally or unintentionally, by your own bias. And that can be violent. And when you've put somebody in a position to feel disempowered and that they can't or that they shouldn't or that they are less than, that's a dangerous act to perform on a regular basis. And it's really important to recognise your behaviour to ensure that you're not causing harm to somebody else. Maybe you joke that way with somebody and they might have smiled politely a few times. Stop. (laughs) If they're smiling politely and they're not really joining in on the joke and it might be like little chuckles of laughter where they're not really, they're not really bantering with you, guess what? They're not bantering with you. It's really, it's a dangerous game, isn't it, to play. If you walk into a room and people are talking and everybody sounds very much like you and there's one person who isn't, there may be a chance that that person's very aware of that or not, but don't put them in that in that position to feel very much alienated and different. It's about inclusion, and inclusion is really the key here. And in order to include, we welcome and we discuss and we talk and we open up. Because that's a whole part of the human experience. It's the learning, it's the deciphering what's going on. It's being able to exchange, not tolerate, not pretend, not microly aggress, not decide that. I've heard this before. My culture is better than your culture. No, your culture is just your culture and the other culture is just the other culture. And there may be some nuances and some differences and some similarities and whatever. However, that is just the way you do it and that's just the way the other person does it. There is no better or right or wrong. We're just people. And the whole point is not to simply get along and pretend, but wouldn't it be just so much more effective if we learn how to understand each other first by understanding ourselves that would help to support and reduce actually the real depth of the pain of the microaggressions that we go around inflicting on each other unknowingly or knowingly thank you for listening my name is Desiree Shaw I'm a psychotherapist and I vlog and I podcast I practice at the Priory and privately and I'm on a mission to make therapy accessible and change the world one thought at a time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. Who is Desiree Shaw? A qualified, registered practicing psychotherapist with over a decade of expertise as a psychotherapist, counselor, and CBT therapist. An expert in men's mental health and relationships on a mission to make therapy accessible and change the world one thought at a time. This is the Desiree Shaw Podcast.